This is the Endurance Church Podcast with Pastor Anthony Bass. At Endurance Church, our goal is to live well and finish strong by becoming faithful disciples of Christ. We do this through loving, disciplined, Bible-based teaching, encouragement, and care. For more information about our ministry, head to endurancechurch.org. And now, today's message. How many people, when you saw that, you were in awe of what you were seeing regarding the giant wave? Raise your hand. How many people are actually like scared to look at that and say, man, that, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> not me. Um, we are in our Christmas series, and uh, we have a sermon series called Fear and Awe. And this is a concept I think it's really hard to communicate because we're communicating emotions. And me being a former football player, uh, I'm not the best at my emotional intelligence, I guess I'd say that, because I've always been taught to suppress my emotions to get the job done. So that's an area of my life I'm still growing and working on trying to overcome weaknesses I have emotionally or even identify emotions. So today I'm going to do my best to communicate uh, an emotional response to God. Because ultimately, when we get to the end of our lives, when we see Jesus Christ face to face, we should have an emotional response to him. Do you respond to God emotionally currently? When you think about God, what feelings come to the forefront of your heart, your mind, your soul? How do you respond to God as he has revealed himself? Is it love? Is it, is it joy? Is it indifference? You know, we, we live a day in a time when respect and reverence aren't a part of our culture. Regardless of which president or political party you're part of, we really kind of have some animosity toward whoever is an authority over us. Our culture has so shifted because now when someone has authority over us, we kind of rebel against that. How do you handle those people who are in authority over you? And if you give me some type of description regarding how you handle those in authority, I would almost guarantee I could at least have some clue to how you respond to God. Because all authority ultimately comes from God. And based upon your response to authority, I'm like, oh, I see how you are either reverencing or being irreverent to God. In today's lesson or sermon, we're going to talk about how an individual responded to God in such a way. We're, we're going to talk about a, a poem that Mary kind of conveyed when she, in a sense, had God's word confirmed in her life. But the point isn't Mary. The point is you. How do you respond to God? And that is, by and large, the most important thing you need to wrestle with in your life. I've never uh, done any type of surfing, and I never will do any type of surfing in all my life. <laughs> I wish I was a surfer. I think that'd be awesome, but I'm afraid of sharks. I'm afraid of killer whales. I'm afraid of octopi or octopuses. I'm afraid of uh, squids. I'm afraid of seals. I'm afraid of jellyfish. Um, 
I'm afraid of stingrays, right? I mean, come on, stingrays, they're serious. Um, I'm afraid of the manatee. I'm afraid of the polar bear. I can, I, I can go on. I don't know what's in that water, bro, but I'm not going to be in that water. I mean, it's going to happen. Now, they, none of those animals I named may be on the area where the, the beach kind of goes where the water, that, but I, I'm not going to be there. So when I look at uh, the men surfing, I have fear. It's not all. But when I look at creation in its totality, as much as I can see, oh, I'm in awe. It's inconceivable, as the man kept saying in Prince's Bride, to think how powerful God is with one single word created all of reality and it is still expanding to this very day. Our God is infinitely powerful. And because he's so powerful, we can take comfort because he's also good. Our God is powerful and he is good. And because of that, my hope to you and for you today is that you have a sense of awe when you think about God. Fear, the Bible says, reveals the condition of our heart. And if we're fearful of God, the Bible says our heart has not been made perfect. Love is what drives out fear, not courage. And fear is the evidence of judgment. And if you are in Christ, then you have already been judged. Jesus Christ took your place on the cross. So you have nothing to worry about if you've placed your hope and confidence in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We can rejoice. And when we finally see Jesus, it'll be a homecoming party. It'll be a good day. Let's jump into the text and hopefully we'll get some insight. Uh, I got a quote by Matt Radman. He said, who on earth are we that the awesome king of all eternity would spare a thought in our direction? Why would the God of yesterday, today and forever, the one who was and is and is to come, choose to bestow his love and attention upon the likes of us? The God of unspeakable glory is speaking to us in an unmistakable words of love and grace. When we think about God, we have to really consider his awesome majesty. God is all-powerful, but he has made a choice to love us with all that he is. How do you interact with that God? What is your emotional response to him? If you open your Bibles to Luke chapter 1, we're going to dig in a couple of scriptures. Starting at verse 46, it's Mary's response to Elizabeth. Before that, if we go back to Luke chapter 1 to the very beginning, we know Luke who is a physician or he is a doctor. We sometimes believe he's a Gentile. I think most scholars think that he's from Macedonia. Some people believe he actually wrote two books, Luke and Acts, and he's the author of both. And he took the time to write it in a sequential and orderly account. His job was to communicate a gospel to an individual who had a sequential mind, to the Greek mind. So when you have challenges with reading Matthew or Mark or Luke, Matthew, Mark, or John, go to the book of Luke. And in the book of Luke, it is written in such a way that we as Westerners should be able to understand and comprehend what he is saying. Luke, written to Theophilus, the lover of God, who happens in this case hopefully to be you and me. 
Luke conveys at the very beginning of his gospel the appearance of an angel to Zacharias. And Zacharias, when he's in the temple, is sitting there doing his little priestly duties, and an angel shows up. How about that? At the very beginning of this orderly Western thought, an angel, something divine is there. And he comes to Zacharias and tries to communicate to him that he's about to have a son in his old age. And Zacharias says, how is this possible? He questioned this. It's almost like he doubted. And because of his response to the angel, he was, in a sense, muted or muzzled until the birth of John. The very same thing happened to Mary. Mary was a young girl. Some people believe she was around 12 or 13 years old. She was a baby. And this angel came to her basically speaking the same thing. Blessed and highly favored are you among women. And she was told, you're going to have a baby. And her response was, how is this going to happen? Now, she wasn't questioning in a sense, could it happen? She was trying to figure out, well, how is this baby coming? Like, who do I have to be with to make this thing happen? And he gave her some assurance, oh, the Holy Spirit's going to come over you. And her response was, hey, I'm your servant. I'm going to do it, God. And then eventually she walks away and begins the pregnancy process. And eventually one day, Elizabeth comes to her, and she's six months pregnant. And while she's talking to Mary, John the Baptist, who is in Elizabeth's womb, leaps And Elizabeth begins to almost prophesy another poem. And in Elizabeth's poem, she basically points to the fact that how blessed she is because her Lord was in the womb of Mary. And now we're going to jump into today's scripture. And I'm going to have a hard time pointing because all the scripture isn't on the screen. That's why I'm asking you to turn to Luke chapter 1, verse 46 through 50. And my Bible reads like this. And it says, and Mary said, this is Mary talking. My soul magnifies the Lord. She's like, my my soul, my emotions, I want to make the Lord great. I want to lift him up. And my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. Why? Because now the Messiah is here. The promised one from the very beginning has finally come. Think about it, almost every single Jewish woman born had this hope that she may be the one who gives birth to the Messiah. And Mary, this poor woman who lived in a village, is the one pregnant with the Messiah. And she's excited. She's like, yes, praise God, hallelujah. It's happening, and I'm the one. Oh, God, you're a good God. Think about this, verse 48. Listen to this. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. This is important. Most people interpret this scripture saying, oh, she was meek and humble because she was. But think about her lineage. She is a descendant of David, the king. She has royal blood running in her veins. And she's living in abject poverty. Think about that. This is a woman who could trace her lineage back to the king of Israel. And now she finds herself hundreds of years later living in poverty. 
Now, the, the misconception during that day and time is this. When the Messiah would come, oh, yes, the Messiah would come to the elite, to the rich, to the wealthy, to the priestly class. Oh, yes, that's what the Messiah would come, and, and he would be educated. He would be trained in military tactics. They all thought at this time the Messiah was coming, and he would help them overcome the Roman government. Yes, the Messiah is here. Oh, they had it wrong just a little bit. Because the Messiah came and died on the cross. Remember, the disciples the entire time kept saying, when are you going to basically take over? When is it going to happen? He said, wait, wait, wait. Jesus is saying, i got to go to the cross first. They couldn't comprehend why the Messiah was coming and going to the cross. We know today in hindsight that he had to die for our sins, but they did, didn't know. They thought, hey, the Messiah meant Israel's freedom. And here she's given this great prophecy, sing, saying these great words of praise to God, saying the Messiah has come to me, and I'm not in the upper class. I'm in the lowest of the low. And God, in his wisdom, chose this poor woman to be the mother of the Messiah. It goes on to say, for behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. Now, I don't know how far I want to go here regarding Mary. Was she a virgin at this point? Absolutely she was a virgin. Did she have parents? Yes, Mary had parents. Did Mary commit sin? Yes, she sinned. The scripture says there was a time when Mary and her brothers walked up to Jesus, and they were like, in Mark, he's out of his mind. Tell him to come here. Mary had it wrong. Only one person was born without sin, and his name was Jesus Christ. And it goes on to say, 49, For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. She's trying to communicate something outstanding has just happened. Bigger than what happened to the Jews being rescued from Egypt. This is a miracle of epic proportions. Greater than the Red Sea being split. I have been, in a sense, impregnated by the Holy Spirit with the Messiah. God has done great things to me. Oh, he's powerful. That's the God we serve. Now listen to this. We're going to do something today that's going to be exciting. Prepare yourselves. If you're in the front row, thankfully nobody's right here. It's going to be a little dangerous. Hold, 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 hold. hold. Keep, keep the flammable liquid over there. Um, hold it. I have my match. Um, this is a lighter, not a match. Uh-oh. Don't be scared. I'm not, uh, I'm not an expert. We'll make something happen. In verse 50, look at verse 50. It says, and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. And this is the part that we're going to kind of park on today. Because this word mercy is not a normal word. Because in the Hebrew, this word would have been translated chesed. Oh, I got my Hebrew going this morning. Or chesed if you are reading English. This is a word of covenant love. If I can give you an example of what this chesed really is, it's like this. If Al would be upset with me, Al and I will probably argue. And then I was like, Al, forget you. I'm joking, but I really would say that. Al, get out of here, Al. 
And then Anthony, if he get frustrated with me, we'd argue. I'd be like, come on, Randall Cunningham was the best quarterback. He may be like, come on. And, and we argue, and now we're offended. We don't talk to each other. But if my wife and I had a disagreement, I would hang in there a lot longer with my wife because the couch is cold is 6140 Plymouth <laughs> zip code 55442 the couch is cold so I need to do all that I can do to keep in covenant love with my wife now I'm not saying I don't love our Anthony I love him and I was joking to make a point I hang in there with you forever bro but my wife I'll go the extra mile. She may hurt my feelings, but we're in covenant. And because we're in covenant, I'm going to forgive and forget and keep on pushing in there until we are cool. That's kind of what hesed is. Chesed. And that is what mercy means here. The scripture is saying God's hesed is on those who fear him. Another issue with the English translation because we can't get to the Hebrew word accurately. But the point isn't that you're just afraid of God. It's that you revere him. And that, my friend, is the biggest problem with today's church. People don't fear God. Now, I'm not saying fear him as once again as, oh, I'm so scared of him. Even though, like the wave, you may be. If I had a gun that was loaded, you'd be a little bit more careful how you touch the gun. Because you're like, wait, if I play around that gun, they'll go. I went to the gun range once. I didn't hit the target. I hit that little clip. <laughs> it was the first time the gun they had ever seen that happen. I was shooting straight, and the clip got shot. And they said, we've never seen it before. I said, hey, I'm special. <laughs> I don't have aim like Green Arrow, but you know what? I'm hitting clips. Do you reverence God? This is so important, particularly if you're dealing with behavior that does not please God. We live in a world today where we think, hey, I can do what I want to do, and God will forgive me. And he does forgive. Our behavior, positively and negatively, comes at a cost. We benefit when we honor God, when we trust Him, we obey Him, and we face consequences when we don't. We go back in the text here, what happened? The father of John said, this can't happen. How is that going to happen? And he was muzzled. Mary said, hey, be it, I'm your servant. Do what you got to do. The evidence is our, our response to God reveals the condition of our heart. Do you revere God? Is he awesome? Does he inspire all in your heart when you are close to him? So I talk about this, and I'm like, um, how do I communicate this, Lord? So I got this example. Please, please back up. Okay, good. Um, I'm going to bring this flammable liquid up here. Now, when we say... Don't look at me like that. We'll be okay. Just sit it right here. Just right there. Do you think that's too close to? Okay. Okay, thank you. Does anyone want to help me in this? Tim, where are you going, Tim? <laughs> Tim, where are you going? 
Tim, where are you going, Tim? You don't trust me. <laughs> okay, how are you feeling right now? Anybody? Be honest. Anxious? Who is anxious? Be honest. Anxious? Somebody else? Anybody? Right, right, right. Okay, okay. So, so check this out. So I know, don't know it's okay. You are fine. What are y'all, y'all so tripping right now? I am the pastor. I will not put you in harm. <laughs> we have visitors. We have to make it look good right now, okay? <laughs> Tim, you have an extinguisher. <laughs> oh, can you get that on camera? <laughs> All right. So think about this. The Bible says God is love, right? And we think God, we know God is love. And because of that, we think, oh, he's obligated to just do what I want and forgive me and love me. But the Bible also says God is a, you may want to take your jacket off. The Bible also says God is a consuming fire, right? So watch this. I'm joking. There's only one. You can come and get a Greg. There's nothing in there. <laughs> the point I was trying to make is what? <laughs> we work really hard at this. Good job, Greg. Give him a hand. Be a good actor. <laughs> I wouldn't do that. You know me. I'm, I'm better safe than sorry. I, I, I bring my breath up to preach so you know I'm okay. The point I'm trying to make is this. If you were a bit scared... If you had a little trepidation at a bucket of flammable liquid catching on fire, then why is it that we don't have that same reverence for God who is a consuming fire? Our culture has conditioned us to be disrespectful to God. And as a result, he's the big guy in the sky. He's my homie. Jesus is my bro. And he died for you. He paid a horrible price for you. He's to be respected. He deserves all. Next point. And it goes on to say in 51, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud of the imagination of their hearts. Now, I skipped something in verse 50. I, I forgot to point. All up here, Mary's talking about herself. But when we get to verse 50, she's talking about us. A lot of times people take scripture of the Bible, they claim it to be theirs. Well, this is the one to claim. It says, and his mercy is on those who fear. It doesn't matter who they are. It's not just Mary. It's everyone who fears, who reverence, who has all toward God. If you're that person, then you know what? You receive God's chesed. You receive God's loving kindness. It goes on to say here, he has put down the mighty in the, from their thrones in verse 52 and exalted the lowly. So from 51 all the way to 52, she's trying to make a point. And the point is what? Pride, God will humble. And the people who are caught up in pride in their own thoughts will be led astray. 
The thought during this day and time was what? Hey, look at what I've achieved in society, and because of how great I am, the Messiah will surely come through me. But God chose the lowly person, the humble person, the person who revered him. God chose Mary. 53, it says, he has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. Um, Next month, no, next, yeah, next month, me, Jared, and Greg are going to go to Israel. And it's exciting uh, because we're going to go to the place where Jesus walked, so I'm excited about that. And my faith is this, as long as Israel exists, then we could continually trust God. Israel is invincible biblically because God made his covenant with Israel. And one day, Jesus will sit on the throne there. Now, days will come in the future where it looks like Israel will be obliterated. That's what the scriptures say. But the fact that it won't be is the evidence of how good God is. If Israel can, in a sense, survive despite the entire world coming against it, we know our God can keep his promise to us. If God can protect Israel despite the hate of the world, God can protect you. Here we go. A couple of points and we're done for the day. The first point reads like this. Being in all of God is the beginning of humanity's eternal relationship with God. Being in all with God is the beginning of our eternal relationship with God. It's hard to communicate this emotion, but, but, but where do you get this emotion from? I said a couple of weeks ago, I saw Michael Jordan, and I'm saying, Katrina, even though Michael Jordan rejected me from getting his signature, even though he said no, I was in all of him, and I should not have been. He's just a man. I've seen him two other times, maybe three. But he's just a man. But, but do I have that same awe for God? When I think about God, his presence, we say God's presence is here. Do we have that same sense of veneration? Do we have this heart that wants to bow down to his will for our lives? That's the beginning of our relationship with him. Next point. Understand how a healthy relationship with God starts. We have to have reverence when we, reverence when we engage this relationship with God. And it's something we can't get away from. You have to understand that God is a God. He's not just a person. And Jesus is a king and he's our king and they're royalty of the highest order. And when we engage in royalty, there's a certain etiquette about that. But if we just skip all those things to just say, hey, I'm going to treat you how treat you will, will look like LeBron James did. Do you remember when LeBron James met the uh, princess and princess and they came over here and he was with them taking a the picture and he put his arm on the prince. He just dropped his arm like she was just a regular cat. Like he was like, hey, I'm King James. And people were like, bruh, <laughs> that ain't real. You're not really royalty. She is. There's a way that you respond to royalty. I know we're Americans. We reject that. I understand. But nevertheless, it still exists. God's kingdom is a theocracy. And Jesus sits on the throne. 
And in God's kingdom, we have to engage him in a very specific way. With honor. With reverence. Next point. That's, thank you. <laughs> we need to stand in God and stand in awe of God's majesty. You can't make somebody stand in awe. I, I can't force that upon, I can't intellectually break down the scriptures in such a way that you have awe in your heart about, that's something that has to be there. I went to Denver, Colorado. Who has been to Denver, Colorado? Anybody? Who has seen the mountains there, right? And when you see the mountains, like this, something happens on the inside. You're just like, who, who, anybody been to the Rocky Mountains? Anybody? The Grand Canyon? Anybody Grand Canyon? You go to the Grand Canyon, you're just like, this is real. And something in my heart says, there is a God. Anybody been to the beach, the, the ocean, the real ocean, not the beaches? I'm not, I love Minnesota. Not the beaches. I'm saying, have you been to the Pacific or Atlantic? Name and, you, and you just look and you just keep looking. There's just water. And you're like, Anybody been to the country and looked up at the stars in the country? No lights. And you just see all those stars. You're like, God is amazing. Over time, you realize all this didn't happen by chance. Think about it. This universe is staying around. It's in order. We're not crashing into planets. Why are all the planets so round? How did that happen? By chance? We have a God who created everything with a word. And that God loves you. Next, next slide, Pete. <laughs> so why do we need to do this? So that we can receive God's loving kindness. So we can receive God's chesed. My heart for you is that you can engage in your coveted relationship with God. You're in a covenant. And because you're in a covenant, there are some benefits you have with God. Just like if you're married, there's some benefits you have with your spouse. Can I get amen, married people? And because you're married, there are some challenges. There's some good and there's some, some bad. But the good thing is, through it all, you have each other. And my hope for you today is you understand that's what God's asking for. He's worthy. One day I said you're going to be hopefully bowing a knee at Jesus' feet. And you're going to see him. And you're going to be on your knee at his throne. And I'm sure tears are going to be coming down your eyes. You're like, I made it. I'm, I'm, I'm at the feet of Jesus. And this is where I want to be. Where else would you want to be? There's going to be a day where you're at Jesus Christ's feet. You will be crying. But it'll be good tears. It'll be tears of joy. I was trying to think about moments in my life where I said to myself, I've made it. I remember when I made it to the NFL and I was on the field and I said, I made it. But then I wasn't there anymore. I was like, I didn't make it. <laughs> that didn't last long. <laughs> I remember I, I got my college degree, and I'm like, yes, I made it. And that feeling went away really quickly. 
And then I got a, a master's degree. I said, oh, I'm up here now. I made it. And then I realized the next day, well, wait a minute, it's over. Did I make it? And I started thinking more and more. There's going to be a day where you can say, man, I made it and I'm finally at peace. And that day is like this. You confess Jesus as Lord when you're on your knees in front of him. And then for the first time in your entire reality, you will be at Shalom. And my hope is at that moment, your entire family, those who have passed away and those who are still on earth, are there beside you, with you, and cheering you on, saying, good job, Daddy. Good job, Mommy. Good job, sister. Good job, brother. You made it. That day you'll understand what all is. I can't convey emotion probably as well as I like to, but I do know that there is emotion evolved in this relation we have with God. He deserves more than just our intellect, our time, our talent, our treasure. He wants our soul. He just doesn't want to shout out. He wants you. If there are areas in your life that you have not given to Jesus, ask yourself, why not? He deserves everything. This life is short. And all of us are headed toward one point. The Bible says, at that day, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ and he alone is Lord is he Lord of your life right now I'd like to pray for you can we bow our heads Father God thank you for the time we've had Lord I pray Lord God that the technical difficulties did not distract from your word being communicated I ask you, Father God, put it on the hearts right now of those people who don't know you, Lord God, to come into a relationship with you. Is there someone here today you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And you want to have confidence that when you say on your knee that Jesus is Lord, that you're not fearful, but that you're in awe. Is there anyone here today that today you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you're here today, put up your hand really quickly and put it down and we'll pray for you. Is there one here? Is there someone here today that you've walked away from Jesus and you want to come back? You've strayed in your heart now. You want to return home like the prodigal. If you're here today and you want to restore that relationship with Jesus, while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, just raise your hand really quickly put it down I'll pray for you. Is there one? I want to pray for you, church. I ask you, Father God, to touch your hearts, Lord God. You know the challenges that we face. Lord God, I ask you to touch each and every one of us at our point of brokenness, at our point of insecurity, Father God. And I pray, Father God, where we may be missing it, Lord God, that you will open our eyes, Lord. I pray, Father God, where there is not reverence in our heart, Lord God, that you, Lord God, will bring restoration there so we will revere you in the way that you deserve. Help us to love us with all that's within us so that we can bring a smile to your face. 
Help us not forget you at any moment of our lives. Help us always put you first and last. And help us to love you with all that's within us in the way that gives you glory and honor and praise, the glory and honor and praise that you and you alone deserve. In Jesus Christ's name, let us all say amen. This has been a presentation of Endurance Church. For more about the ministry, just head to endurancechurch.org. Follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash endurancechurch and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash endurancechurch.tv. Remember to live well and finish strong. I leave my